0: Glad that you're here with us this morning and uh, here, and we're starting a new series today called Unto Us. Uh, This is going to be a very interesting series, something completely different for me because we are actually going to be in the Old Testament for most of... Uh, the Christmas season for the most of, of this series. Now, I know what you're thinking is like, "What does that have to do with Christmas?" Well, it has a lot to do with Christmas because there's a lot of uh, prophecy that talks about the Christmas story from the New Test from the Old Testament. And what we're actually doing this morning is we're actually going to be looking at the Book of Isaiah. And so if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there to the book of Isaiah. It's about in the middle of your Bible, just past Psalms and Proverbs. And when you get to the book of Isaiah, we're going to be in chapter 7. Now, as every week, you're invited to follow along on your phone or your tablet. You can download the Oakwood app. And in there is a, is a tab that says Sermon Notes, and you can click on that, and you'll have all the scriptures and everything to, to follow along with you. We want you to engage the Word of God. We think that's so important. Um, don't just merely listen to the Word, but engage it, and so read it for yourself, underline, highlight, make notes, uh, do what you need to do to allow the Lord to speak to you uh, this morning and through this, and through this series. So uh, it's going to be a great, great time to be a part of God's family this Christmas. I want to give you a little bit of background into Isaiah. I find that most people like, Isaiah, okay, yeah, I know it's in the Bible, I know it's a, it's a large book, I remember you know, he's a prophet, but who is this guy, Isaiah, what is actually going on at this time, and I just want to give you a little bit of background um, into that. Isaiah was a prophet during a time period when Israel was split into two kingdoms. Now that happened shortly after King Solomon was king. After that, there was a divided kingdom. If you've studied Old Testament, you understand that there was a northern kingdom that was named Israel and a southern kingdom named Judah. And it's during this time period that Isaiah the prophet is prophesying to the people of Judah. And and really overall to Israel and really to all of us. Now, what's the point of a prophet? So many times I think we think prophets are fortune tellers, right? They predict the future, but there's always this purpose in what they say. In the knowledge that God supernaturally gives them, there's always this purpose. And that purpose is to take the people of God and turn them back to him. Take the people of God, turn them back to God himself. And that's what the prophets do. And they have these supernatural abilities uh, given to them by God. God speaks to them in a special way. And then they are called by God to go speak to the people. But the point is, not that they would just know what's going to happen or not that they would just know what's going to befall them, but that they would actually turn themselves back to God. That's the whole point of it. And it's in one of these time periods that Isaiah is writing. He's writing... He's writing to the nations. He's calling God's people back to himself. Now, in many of the, the writings of Isaiah, there are some predictions, there are some, some prophecies of things to come in the future, but he's always trying to call God's people to come back to God, to repent of their sins and to turn back to him. And over the next four weeks of this series, we're going to explore the Christmas story in a different way. We're going to examine the relationship between the book of Isaiah and the purpose And the work of Christ in Christmas. So let's talk specifically about where we're beginning today in Isaiah in the seventh chapter. There is a crisis in the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom. The Hebrew people were split into these two countries, and the northern kingdom, which was. Called Israel, is actually partnering with a neighboring country called Aram, and they're going to actually invade the south. They're going to come to the southern kingdom, and they're going to try to take it over, and they have to go through Jerusalem to do, to do that. Now, if you remember Jerusalem, it's very, very important in the Bible. This is the holy city, the city of God. Jerusalem is where the temple is, and so they want to come into Jerusalem, and they want to take Jerusalem, which is the capital of Judah, they want to take it over, and by doing that, really cripple all of Judah, to take it over. Let's read the passage together, Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14 this morning. This is what it says, when Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was the king of Judah, so he was the king of the southern kingdom, Ahaz, king Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. So they tried, but they could not overpower it. There was a battle that happened. Verse two, now the house of David was told. Now I want you to understand that Many times in the prophetic writings of Isaiah, he's actually not just prophesying to the people right now. He's, he's talking about the whole lineage of David. He's talking talking about the house of David. That's the lineage of where Christ will come into the world. He's talking to the nation of Israel. He's talking to specific tribes and specific people. And he's talking specifically to the line in the house of David, of King David. And he says there in verse 2 Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. So they're terrified because they're being invaded. They're trying to be taken over. There's this battle that ensues. Verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shear jeshub Prophets weren't very good with names. Okay, I wouldn't recommend that for your son. But anyway, uh, go out and take your son, shear jeshub to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. So, so Isaiah is getting this instruction from the Lord, and then, and then God tells Isaiah what to tell Ahaz. He says, say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying this Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it amongst ourselves and make the son of Tabeel the king over it. Yet, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You see, there's man's plans, and then there are the old almighty plans of the sovereign Lord. And it says there in verse 7 Yet, these are the plans of the sovereign Lord. It will not take place, it will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And again... The Lord spoke to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, verse 11. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest of heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask him. I will not put the Lord to the test. And then Isaiah the prophet said, hear now. You house of David. Again, it's not just for Ahaz. It's now the whole house of David. Hear now, house of David. It is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and will call him. Emmanuel. Several things I I want us to to draw out of this passage this morning and apply to our lives of this Christmas season. The first thing is this. With God, there's always a fear not factor. With God, there's always a fear not factor. King Ahaz of Judah is nervous about the thought of this invasion and what will happen to his country. And when we read that in verse 2 in the second part there, it says what? Says the heart, uh, the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken. They were trembling, as the trees of the forest were shaken by the wind. It's just a visual illustration there. Isaiah is one of the most eloquent prophets uh, written in the scriptures. And so he has a way of describing things and and wording things. And and there he's given us this illustration. It's just like the wind blowing the trees and the trees shake and the branches go back and forth. This is how the people felt. They were so shaken by this invasion. Yet look at what God tells Isaiah to tell Ahaz in verse 4. He says what? He says, say to him, be careful. Keep calm and don't be afraid. Be careful, be on alert. Don't get puffy, watch out, be on alert, be careful. Keep calm, no, we're not gonna freak out over what's happening and don't be afraid. And then it goes on the verse, says, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart because of these smoldering stubs of firewood you know I picture this because the battle has taken place and and for the time being you know they've defeated Israel and aram and sent them back to the north that there, there might actually have been some places where the, you know some fire had happened and, and there's there's these two smoldering you know stubs of trees that were there and, and you know this you know how the smokes uh, it smolders, you know, it, it, it's hot, and there's this, there's... and so it's this visual thing that, that actually is something that Ahaz can see. It's right there at the end of the aqueduct where he's met Isaiah. He, he can actually see these trees, but it's not only that. He goes on there, and he describes that the, what these two stubs of fire would represent, the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah, and so it's, it's, it's a picture of what's actually happened with the battle, and it's a picture of what is actually happening with the people in the passage today and he's called through it all even seeing the smoldering even being involved in the battle he says to him hey be careful keep calm and do not be afraid you see with God there's always this fear not factor you know this if you've read the Christmas story right I mean you see the angels in the Christmas story and every time they show up they're telling people fear not fear not fear not fear not in fact all throughout the bible not just the christmas story anytime an angel appears it seems like there's some level of fear and here with king ahaz there's this level of fear i think sometimes if we would reflect and be honest there's a level of fear with us we are a people that many times reflect a people who are fearful we're full of fear ourselves and not a fear not people We we are a fearful people and not a fear not people. And yet God beckons us too to fear not and to trust in him ultimately. Because God knows exactly what he's doing. He's got a plan and he's working his plan. But speaking of the invasion and all that's going on, look at what it says down there in verse 7. Yet is what the sovereign Lord says to him is what? He says, It will not take place, it will not happen. So don't have fear. He says, Hey. They're going to try. They may even try again, but it will not happen. It will not take place. It will not happen. They're not going to take Jerusalem, and they're not going to take Judah. So, Ahaz, don't have fear. Be careful. Keep calm, and don't be afraid. And then he goes down to verse 9. And this is the second uh, part, uh, second point of the sermon today. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And again, he's beckoning him to trust in him, but not simply trust in him, but to put all of his faith in him. To put all of the marbles in God's jar. To not try to understand it through human Conditioned to not understand the human circumstances, to not, you know, oh, I'm going to build up my own army, I'm going to have this economic thing happen. I'm it's go with God all the way. Put all of your faith and trust in him. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And Isaiah even tells Ahaz beyond this in verse 9 to test the Lord in this. Look at verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Verse 11, ask the Lord your God for a sign whether it's in the deepest depths or in the highest heights, go ahead and ask the Lord for a sign. It's like Isaiah was sensing here. He he, he was sensing, hey, he's not really believing this. He's still, Ahaz is still not believing. He's still not putting his faith in God. And look how Ahaz responds in verse 12. It says, Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Ooh, sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? Ahaz is... You know, very, very holy and pious and, and spiritual there. But do you know Ahaz? You ever read this the life summary of Ahaz in 2 Kings chapter 16? Just be honest, say no, okay? All right, get to it. 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 2 and 3 says this of Ahaz. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire. You see, Ahaz really didn't have a relationship, not a real relationship, with God. And though he's very pious and spiritual-sounding here, and he's so holy, and, oh, I'm not going to put, put the Lord to the test, there's really no relationship. We see it evidenced throughout his reign as the king of Judah. Ahaz was not a good king. He had the temple right under his nose in the city, but it's recorded in scripture that he actually worshiped other gods. He did not put his trust and his faith in God alone. He put it instead in other things. If you read the rest of the story, you understand that when this situation seemed impossible, when the invasion was coming, he put his trust in the Assyrian empire over God's plan and God himself. And so many times I think we read scripture, we nod, oh yeah, that's bad. I, I, would, trust, I would trust the Lord. I would, I would put my faith in the Lord and I would stand in my faith in the Lord. But I think we've all been put in those situations, if we're honest, where God has told us to trust him and to put our faith in him and to focus on him and that we have trusted something else or maybe someone else and just like Judah we have made alliances with our own empires on our own terms and we have trusted our plans and our provision more than God's plans and God's provision and we take it all upon ourselves and we would say to ourselves as all good Americans would I've got this I've got this when maybe we really need to allow the Lord to strengthen us in faith, and to simply put all of our faith and all of our trust in him. I have stairs in my home. I don't know how many of you have stairs. Mine don't go upstairs. Mine go downstairs to a basement, which is pretty, pretty rare in Enid, Oklahoma, but I have a basement and we have these stairs, and uh, stairs are a peculiar thing because stairs, there's just a lot of accidents, right, that happen on the stairs. Most of us, when we encounter stairs, we want to see the stairs. If you're walking up, you'll be looking down, or you may be looking ahead, but your peripheral is looking at the steps, making sure that you lift your foot to land on the next step. Sometimes, sometimes if you're going down the stairs, it's the same way. Uh, Most stairs have a railing, right? Some kind of a system to the side that you can hang on to while you're trying to proceed, and you're watching, and you're paying attention, and you're stepping carefully. And sometimes you're required to carry things. We have some stairs over in the oak area of the church, and there are many times where you're required to carry things up and down the stairs. And when you're carrying things, you have to be careful. I do not recommend carrying things that block your vision of the stairs. And you know I'm speaking from experience here. It is not good to be heading downstairs to the basement, arms fully loaded, to have your spouse say, Can I help you with this? And you know, oh no, I've got this, I've got this. To proceed down the stairs and to drop things. I've dropped so many things down our stairs. I'm just glad there's not humans waiting at the bottom because there would be no more. I I have hit, there's there's, there's actually like this shelf system down there, and it's been hit so many times. I I don't know how it survived. There's a, a little decorative tree down there. The tree's like deformed and leaning to the right just slightly from. You know, I remember one time I dropped an ottoman. I was actually carrying an ottoman, and, and, and you know, you you feel like you're about to fall, and what do you do? You're going to drop what you're carrying, right? Because you want to get your bearings. You want to grab the rail. You want to look and see, and I think so many times we're going through life. We're like, oh, yeah, God, I've got this. You know, Ahazel, I've got this. I've got an army. I've got the you know Assyrians. Those are good people to partner with. Let's partner with the Assyrians they are going to eventually take us over. Yeah, um, they're going to take us into exile. Let's, 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 let's go with them. You know, let's trust in them. And God is saying, hey, let, let me help you. Let, let's go my direction. Let me assist you. We're like, oh, no, 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 God, I've got this. We, we think we're these self-made people. And yet, sometimes if we would just listen to the Lord, if we would just put our faith in the Lord, if we would just trust in the Lord and his plans and his ways, it would go well with us. And maybe we would heed the warning of Isaiah that he gives to Ahaz. That's even a greater warning even to us today. If you do not stand firm, stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And you'll stumble down the stairs of life and you'll wonder what hit you and why did I do that? Why did I keep telling God, hey, I've got this, when really, I dropped everything. And I think sometimes our lack of faith shows our continued need to grow in our relationship with God. And sometimes when we don't completely trust Him, we don't completely have faith in Him, we're trying to go our own direction and find our own answers, seek our own ways, saying, hey, you need to continue to study the word and read the word and pray and continue to grow in your relationship with God so that your faith is on the increase in your life. Because if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Put your faith in God. Third thing this morning, God shows a miraculous sign of his faithfulness through a virgin birth that would heal a darkened world. Now, many scholars... Uh, when you get to this part of, of the text, many scholars believe that uh, this was what you call a dualistic prophecy. that is a prophecy for what was going to happen, what Ahaz was going to see in his time, but also for the future. And, and I, I would say some scholars believe that. I would say probably most scholars don't. But l- let's go to verse 13 and understand. Notice what, how Isaiah addresses it here. He says, it says, Then Isaiah said, here now, you, house of David, okay? So he's not talking just to Ahaz. He's not talking just to Judah and just to right now. He's talking to the whole house of David. He's saying, attention. This this would perk up people's ears when he addresses the house of David. This would make the hair on the, on the back of their neck stand up because this would get their attention. And he says, listen, hear now, you house of David. And he goes on and, and, and he kind of placates them a little bit. He says, is it not enough to try the patience of humans Will you try the patience of my God also? He's referring to the fact of what Ahaz says. Oh, I will put the Lord to the test. When Isaiah said, God said, test him. Oh, I will put the Lord, our God, to the test, you know. Then Isaiah said, Here now, house of David. And then you get to verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. You may not ask for one. He's going to give you one. And the sign will be this, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel, when, you, when, when they when they see that word, it, it tells them, it will be God with us. That this baby boy that's going to be born of a virgin will be Emmanuel. You will call him Emmanuel. You will you will say, God is with us. God has taken on the form of flesh. God is produced the incarnation. God taking on the form of the flesh of man. And just like it was a dark time for Ahaz, with a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety, and the world seemed dark and it was evil, because it was. It is yet that Jesus and his prophecy was thrust into this time period, but it was also pointing to sometime in the future. Remember, the book of Isaiah the prophet was, born, was written 740 years before the birth of Christ. This is looking 740 years into the future and really, it's looking even beyond that, even into today. This miraculous sign of a faithful God. And even though Ahaz and, and, and all the people that were quaking in fear and shaking like the trees, as they're addressed with the whole lineage and house of David, God's people are in this dark period of rebellion. They're in a period of judgment. Remember, the exile is coming. Both Israel to the north and Judah to the south will be overtaken by people and taken away off into exile. This is coming. There is fear. There is anxiety. There is helplessness. But it is into this we find verse 14 of Isaiah chapter 7. And he says, the virgin will conceive. And give her through a son. And when you see the sun and you experience the sun in the flesh, you will say, Ah, God. God is with us. God is here. And God is now. And Isaiah is trying to highlight here God's power and God's precision to do miraculous things. And the world will take notice because the world is dark, and here comes the light. I, I, I was reminded of this Friday night as we were handing out the, the balloons. And, and so, these balloons we were handing out uh, uh, Friday night down at Enid Lights Up the Plains had these uh, two LED lights in them. And, and the LED lights were really, really bright, and they illuminated the balloons. And so, we were handing them out during the day, and it wasn't it was exciting. I mean, you're getting a red balloon, cool. But as, as the darkness set in, you saw these balloons glowing. And you could see kids, like, playing with them and, you know, kind of spinning the things in the balloons. And you see these lights. Now, knowing that they're kids, some of them, their balloons popped, right? Some of them were released into the heavens. But some of them popped, you know. I mean, they, they, they're carrying it around. It hits something. It hits something. You know, and the kids would, you know, when they pop their balloon. What? They either want another one or they're going to cry, you know, be disappointed. But what was fun about it is there was this consolation prize. When your balloon popped, you got 2 Sparkling, awesome, really bright LED lights to play with, to put in your ear, to put up your nose, put in your mouth, I mean, whatever, you know, whatever. But they had these lights, and there was still joy because of the lights. And what makes the lights fun down at the hole, you know, lighting the tree, all these thousands of people, 10, 9, 8, 75, all the lights came on, and then the fireworks, it's because it's dark. And there's joy because of the light. And there just seems to be this happiness because of the light. And even in the consolation prize of a balloon popping is the light. I I had to take my daughter through the traffic. Luckily, I was headed the opposite direction of all the traffic of Enid, and so I actually made it there in record time. But I'm I'm taking side streets downtown, dodging. I'm trying to get to Leonardo's parking lot from the YMCA parking lot, okay, from Oklahoma to Maple. So, yes, yes, the Lord is with us. Uh, and and, and when, I, when I get up there, we, 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 I get, I get uh, my oldest daughter to her vehicle, and, and now she's, she's, she's taking off. And we pull around the corner there to the, the intersection of Maple, and I think it's Grand. And, 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 we're, and we're sitting there at that stoplight. And I notice in the middle of the street, right where the sewer grate is, right on top in the middle of it is one of our LED lights. Somebody's balloon had popped, somehow dropped out, you know, got kicked down the street, whatever. It's sitting there. And it's so bright, okay? There's stoplights, there's streetlights, there's headlights, there's traffic from all four directions at the light. You can still see, and I'm just laughing. You're thinking there's one of our little, you know, Oak Cookery churches, LED lights just flickering away, being a light in the darkness right there. And how that just brought a smile to my face and brought joy. And that's what is in store for God's people. If you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, the light shines in the darkness. In this miraculous, God gives us this miraculous sign. He says, I'm validating all this through this, that there's gonna be this virgin birth. And when you see this child, you're gonna say, Emmanuel, like you're gonna call him that because God is actually coming into the world and is with you. The last thing this morning, We need to place our trust in God's miraculous power, even in times of trouble and doubt. Ahaz needed to learn this lesson. Even in the times of trial, even when the trouble comes, even when, when Israel and Aram get together and they come and try to attack you to take over Jerusalem, you need to... Understand that God has miraculous power to execute his plans perfectly in times of trouble and in times of doubt. But it wasn't just King Ahaz. Because it's also in the Christmas story. Do you recall? Let me read it for you. Matthew Matthew chapter one, verses 21 through 23. It's a guy named Joseph. You, You know the story, right? His virgin that he was betrothed to, named Mary, was suddenly found to be with child. And Joseph, not wanting to embarrass her or get her, getting her into any more trouble than the society and culture at the time would do for her, he was trying to devise a way to divorce her quietly. And then an angel appears to him and says, hey Joseph, fear not, don't be afraid. And he says this in Matthew 1:21 through 23, she will give birth to a son And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew gives us this. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. If you've read Matthew 1 as part of the Christmas story for many years, there's Isaiah 7. 7, Team, right there in the middle of it and we see the miraculous power of God and how we need to lean into him and into his power even more in times of trouble and doubt Mark Lowry wrote a song I think, I think that's the, the, the author of the song Mary Did You Know you've probably heard that it's, it's all over Christian radio we, we saw him sing it and play it in church and, and you probably hear it sometime this Christmas season and I, and I love that song I, I, I love that song But there's this potent lyric in it. There's this line in the song that I think was showing to Mary, who is also troubled with all of her conditions and circumstances, but trusting in the Lord and choosing faith through it all. There's this potent line in the song, and it says this. The child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Oh, Mary, did you know? Did you know that the child that you delivered will soon deliver you? Why? How? Because of God. Because of his plan. Because of his miraculous power. He will bring Jesus into the world through the virgin birth and will deliver God's people ultimately. And Isaiah's prophecy has so much hope. So much hope was given into that time of hopelessness and despair and rebellion and even into our time of despair and hopelessness and rebellion today. A time where leading God's people is so hard. A time where God's people are not holy. A time where even God's kings over Israel and over Judah, we're not walking with the Lord. God would fix all that. He would right all of the wrongs, and He would He would perform the incarnation as Emmanuel. God taking on the form of man, God coming into our world. And this Jesus, the Son of God, would physically walk with His creation. And He would show them the way to salvation. He would teach them how to be a follower of Him in his ways. And then he would ultimately sacrifice himself. He would allow himself to be crucified for his creation. that were lost and dead in their sin. He would become the ultimate sacrifice. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, The son of a virgin is given, and he is our Savior, Christ the Lord. We're going to come into our time of communion this morning. And here at Oakwood, we practice open communion. And what that means is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have placed your faith in him, you have a relationship with him, the Bible says you are welcome around the Lord's table for the Lord's Supper. We celebrate this through the emblems of the bread and the cup. Hopefully you grabbed those when you came in. If not, feel free to slip back and grab those now. Hopefully if you're with us online, you've made those arrangements at home. This is a part of our worship here at Oakwood. It's central because it's when we remember the sacrifice of the Son of God. And throughout the Christmas season, I think it's very important for us to remember that when Jesus was born and came into the world from second one, from the time that baby Jesus drew his first breath, he was marked as one who would be sacrificed for you and for me. And we worship him because he's been so good to us to take on the punishment that we deserve because of our wayward ways.